Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libservative. Fuck these identity politic assholes. Oh, yeah. Welcome in to Libservative on another fun Friday, and it should be obvious by now why the hell we're starting the show with the Canadian National Anthem. We'll get into that very, very shortly. This is Libservative. He's Corey Walsh. And he is Dan Griffin. And we're here to talk about those crazy connects. Ah, yeah. This is such an epic (laughs) version of the Canadian Anthem right here. It really is. Oh, you gotta love it. We got a lot to cover. Of course, we are going to be starting uh, with the Freedom Convoy, but uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to give you a little bit of a Flint, Michigan water update, Corey. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some union busting taking place at Amazon. Of course, the uh, this big worker revolution that we have going on is absolutely fantastic as long as it does not mess with Amazon's bottom line. Can't have that. Uh, I guess Starbucks as well. We're going to talk about no-knock warrants uh, because of the uh, unfortunate death of Amir Locke. That seems to be top of mind. Uh, we might have some Facebook funnies for you. I don't remember if Corey actually found those. I did. And then I've got probably the most controversial well, Corey doesn't think it's controversial but it, you know it might be depending on how it's perceived we do I do have a, my monologue this evening is going to be about race it's going to be about race and it's basically going to be about white people and our relationship with a word that is uh well that we're not allowed to say do we yeah, have we're a, not allowed to say that one do we have a relationship with that word you'll find out in my monologue I think it was well thought out I'm kind of proud of it we'll get to it uh, later on in the show but Corey first we have to start with uh, our Freedom Convoy update, Ottawa, as of, I believe, well, Tuesday. First, 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 first. Go ahead. What you drinking today, Dan? Uh, just some wine. I'm drinking... Uh, some wine. Yeah, I'm drinking uh, Josh Josh's Cab Reserve. You know, it's like 13 bucks at any, at any normal store. Nothing special. Just felt drinking like switching wine, it up. wine about shit. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I got some... Uh, hey, you like that? It's a pun. That's a dad joke. You did a good job. Thanks, man. You are a dad. A dad. Yeah, I am a dad. Um, I'm drinking some filibuster straight bourbon whiskey, and it's not terrible. I bought it for the name. What happens? You know, it's, it seemed fitting. What happens to that uh, particular liquor if uh, the uh, filibuster is done away with? <laughs> Do they have to change the name? I don't know. Hashtag filibuster. You say it. You're canceled. You're, you're down. Yeah. You're down regulated. Filibuster. Um. I don't know. It, I feel like a. Uh, sometimes the filibusters last about as long as it takes this stuff to age. So, <laughs> did you almost just have wine come out of your nose? By it design, wasn't that funny. <laughs> By design. <laughs> and then I'm also drinking some uh, bean flicker. Ooh, some outside ales. I still have no idea how they got away with that name. To be honest with you, I mean it's a coffee ale, which is interesting. It's an interesting flavor. I know that beer well. Uh, yeah. yeah, but someone was sleeping on the job for sure. Yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't use that today. It's a very misogynistic name. That Freaking is beans. Uh, 
That is, I'm a bean said, flicker. That is Odd Side. Odd Side is based here in Michigan somewhere. I don't remember exactly um, where. They Comstock? In, Did I get uh, it? Brune and Kemba said it was Grand Haven. Grand Haven. Damn it. Where did, where did you say? Comstock. Oh, yeah. Well, you know Comstock is technically Grand Rapids, right? Comstock Yeah, Park. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but either way. Because the audience doesn't. Yeah, it's true. I don't care about your fucking Michigan bullshit. So all our listeners and south america and china it's a little bit warmer stock is part of uh grand grand rapids, rapids. I, saw, I was i was close but you all, can't put it on the map china you you could literally just guess grand rapids and you most of the time you'd probably be right a lot of craft beer over in that area that's beer city usa baby uh ottawa as of tuesday Corey has declared a state of emergency at least i, th- I think it was tuesday it doesn't really matter uh because of the freedom convoy taking place in ottawa those those damn uh, fringe white supremacist pieces of shit that have taken over the city, that are occupying the city, as uh, some of the rhetoric that the Canadian media likes to say. It's a, it's a right-wing chaz. We've chopped. That's right. Yeah. It pretty much is. Yeah. And the, the, the only difference was is... was all about them, all excited for their occupation in Oregon with chaz. The only difference is... Commune. They haven't, you know, actually taken over the capital yet because they're not a bunch of assholes. Dude, that's actually I'm glad you say that real quick. And I'm it's it's kind of frightening how fast the word insurrection is being thrown around now because you know, words are important. And the word insurrection is tied to the word terrorist often, especially here in America. And the word terrorist gives our government basically these autocratic rights that supersede your, your fifth amendment and all sorts of your rights because when you're a terrorist you don't really have to go through the whole uh procedure of going through the courts of innocent until proven guilty and we're just the word is being used now like the word racist and we'll get into that later but it's like when everyone's an insurrectionist and everyone's a terrorist then no one's a terrorist and when everyone's a racist then no one's a racist and we're using these words so just flippantly yeah that and, it, uh it's concerning and when it comes to because now what is it uh i'm sorry to keep going um what was it in the new home def, uh, department of homeland security i think it was in one of their updates they said people who spread misinformation and disinformation did you hear about this mm-hmm. people who using are, are terrorists they're bad for the country you know what we do with terrorists, right? We th- we lock them up in Guantanamo Bay. So 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 do we take like Brian Stelter and most of the cast of CNN to do we you know are they terrorists because yes. they yes. spread they spread mis and disinformation every single day? Yes. Uh, Remember when Rachel Maddow said that uh, if you get the vaccine, then you're 100 percent fine. You'll never get COVID. Yeah, it's disinformation. That's disinformation. Remember when Fauci said masks wouldn't work, and then he said he would they would work, and then he said that it wasn't a lab leak theory. And look and now that now we know DARPA was actually involved in that. This this isn't like like pick on CNN time. I mean, we have our beef with them. But- I'll pick on CNN all day long. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> look, Fuck them. Fuck MSNBC. Fuck Fox News. Th- that, but you know we have our beef with them. But the, the the point is for the Department of Homeland Security to come out and say something like that is is just fucking ridiculous. I mean, that is just it's scary. That, that is something out of a Tom Clancy novel. I mean, that is yeah. that is unbelievably stu- a stupid thing to say because a year ago, 
We don't need to tell anybody this. Everybody's already heard this a hundred times. A year ago, if you even talked about the lab leak theory, you were downgraded on social media. You were yep. you were silenced. And now it's, it, I wouldn't say it's the consensus, but it's at least something, the lab leak theory is at least something that, you know, even extremely smart, well-established people uh, will will acknowledge. And so you, you can't say that, you know, because we... <laughs> It's just so interesting how they do that, right? How they just take a word that nobody even really knows what it means at this point, right? Nobody knows what disinformation or misinformation actually means. Do you know what it means? I don't know what it means. I mean, no. I do own, I do know what it means because Brian Stelter uh, spews that shit every day. So misinformation would be being misinformed. Disinformation would be I guess it'd be more of an active versus passive thing. Like, so ah. disinformation would be an active thing of purposely propagating misinformation. It's just interesting how in the English language. Misinform- yeah. These misinformation words. would be me thinking that, uh, what's his name? Uh, who's the guy I like to be your neighbor? Roger, uh, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Misinformation Rogers. would be me my whole life growing up thinking he was a sniper in the military <laughs> and telling all my friends this when come to find out he wasn't. Because <laughs> that happened to me. <laughs> I remember one time a fucking teacher, a teacher in like fourth grade was like, yeah, he used to be a sniper <laughs> before he became Mr. Rogers. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to tell everyone that because that's crazy. <laughs> Said it for like 20 years. And then one day I was actually on Out of the Blank, the, the podcast we actually were on last Sunday. Check him out. Robbie's a great guy. Yeah, Out of the Blank podcast. And I was on his show and while we were recording, I was like, yeah, Mr. Rogers was a sniper. And he goes, no, he wasn't. <laughs> like, yeah, he was. And he goes, nope. And he goes, we're going to pull it up right now. You carried that bullshit with you into your 30s? <laughs> Goddamn. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I'm a misinformationist. Uh, I, mean, I guess it's better than a terrorist or a racist. I mean, people, people will, uh, <laughs> people will call us that regardless. Uh, but as it per- that does not pertain to the hashtag Freedom Convoy. But no, the, whole, the whole idea of language and 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 what we just said does actually kind of apply. Um, because it's gotten to a point now where all you have to do, if you're in the establishment or you're brainwashed by the establishment or uh, whatever it is to, to, to feed your own narrative and push down another, whether you're right or wrong, doesn't matter. All you have to do is just, is just say something disparaging about the other side. So the left, what the left likes to do, Corey, is to just label the movement racist. If you just label it racist, it'll go away. We don't have to take it seriously because everybody's a racist. And then what the right does, what do they do, Corey? Oh, they label everyone a socialist or yeah. a communist. Yeah. You know, dangerous. they're socialists. Super, you know, super and it's, it's just these hot button words that they like to use. And it's funny because I actually want to talk about that real quick. When you first brought this up two years or two weeks ago. The Freedom Convoy? Two, yeah, the Freedom Convoy. On the show, I didn't have a lot to say. I was just like, yeah, whatever. It's just some truckers. You know, like I didn't care. I'm like here personally in America, our Supreme Court already made the decision for everyone and said, no, mandates aren't going to happen here. And then the conversation just ended. So it was like, cool. It happened in Canada. And like, they didn't have that type of Supreme court set up. So I was like, oh, well, you know, eh, cool for them. You know, they're, uh, they're protesting, you know, whatever. But then it quickly turned to this thing where it's like, they're all racist, you know? And I'm like, 
there's a lot of truckers that are doing this and the farmers are joining them. And there's people all on the side of the roads that are joining them. And Canada's a pretty mild country overall. They don't have race issues and things like that there that we do here. And then... Or as many, at least. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I know that they, uh, they, there's some a little like sex of racism like in Alberta and stuff against like Middle Easterns coming there and stuff. But it's not like here. Mm-hmm. And... It's like, okay, this is kind of interesting. And then it just kept coming. And then you hear Trudeau calling them all this fringe group, but in the same word as he's saying, it's just this small fringe minority that's doing this. He's calling it a national emergency. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. And then he's calling it a, and then he's saying it was the fringe white supremacists. They're all just racist. They don't represent Canada. And it's like, well, wait a minute. And then you keep seeing these videos popping up and then you see this protest expand and now it's in a bunch of other countries and it's all over the world now in Europe, you know, and like what France, Belgium, uh, like was it uh, in the, a bunch of like the Baltic countries? Uh, it's <clears throat> so the whole world is racist. It's expand- is yeah, it's expanding yeah. to the point to where it's similar to like the BLM movement. And then when I started seeing this stuff, I started to feel the same like exuberance and the excitement about this as I was when I was protesting in the BLM movements down in Detroit and in Sterling Heights. And I was like, all right, hell yeah. You know what? Fuck the government. And I was getting excited to the point where like, I was starting to think, well, maybe I'm just an anarchist, <laughs> you know? And then it's funny. Cause then I had a guy, a buddy tell me, he goes, you're just getting excited about protests. Huh? It doesn't matter what they are. And I was like, yeah, maybe, you know, but then I was like, well, no, it's more about, telling the government to fuck off when there's government overreach well no and and And, to 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 just refute what what your friend said you didn't support january 6th did you now now before anybody freaks the fuck out i know that that was more than a protest you know you you could actually use the word insurrection in that in that place but even if it just stayed a protest and it looks like it looks like maybe i didn't like it but i was happy that they were they were still using you know their constitutional right and the one other thing I was like really, really pissed off about that is like, you fucking idiots, you just wasted a good ass raid because we could have <laughs> been going in over in there over some really legitimate shit. Like if that was about the Patriot Act or if that was about like, like real shit that like really affects us in our personal lives when it comes to government overreach, then I've been like, mm, you know, this guy is all, all, all right. But it was over some bullshit and it was like, you know, I to slap him and go, you fucking idiots, you ruined it for the rest of us. And it, and, at but, the, uh, and at the end of the day, you did not support what that movement was no, trying no, to not accomplish. No, exactly. No, no, so, no, yeah, no, 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 that's not the case. <laughs> no. I remember when we all thought COVID was really, really bad. And there was the the the, uh, the protest in Lansing. And they were all black in the streets and standing on the steps. I wasn't so, so upset about the guys standing on the steps. But all the ones black in traffic, I was like, you guys just spent the last two fucking years bitching about blm protests blocking traffic saying oh well, what about the ambulances and then they blocked lansing and then guess what ambulances actually got blocked well now but wait a minute Corey. i'm gonna play devil's advocate here that's exactly what's happening in ottawa that's exactly what's happening in ottawa <laughs> so at this point i guess I, I was mad about the hypocrisy not about me personally you know just like well what the fuck you guys okay. so now at this point like blocking traffic is just that's eh, just i got you uh, right. i had to call just, you out there for a second <laughs> that's the sop the standard operating procedure <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, and so then I had to start doing deep dives, you know, and then like, everyone's like, oh, they're right. They're, uh, fringe, fringe groups. 
And so then I found this video. I'm going to share it right now, actually. And so for just listeners and people who aren't watching, it's just going to sound like a bunch of noise. But what it is, is it's a bunch of people, I'm assuming the either Indian or Pakistani. Maybe both. Who knows? Oh, yeah. If they, if they were, then that would really mean that this was definitely a un, unite, yeah. <laughs> a, 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 a union <laughs> yeah. thing happening. Because, For those who don't know, Indian and Pakistan don't like each other very much. No. Have you ever seen the Goose Step videos? No. Oh God! All right, I'm gonna show you that. Not right now, but like later. <laughs> Worry about that later. After this, it's 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 pretty funny to uh, to me. To them, it's very serious. Let me uh, share my screen real quick because so here's a video happening in uh, in Canada. It was posted on February 5th, Toronto area, right? And the, this was in Toronto. And this is a retweet. I I, uh, I had to find the video again, but like the original video here, it has a bunch of retweets and a bunch of people saying, "Yeah, like hell yeah, you know, I was there and this and that." And I reached out to the actual Twitter user, and he hasn't gotten back to me yet. But does this look like a bunch of white supremacists? Listen to the music. Look at what they're wearing. Those are Arabic people. Oh, yeah. People from the Middle East and stuff like that. All cheering and hugging each other. Well, and it just goes to show, like, when you sit there and you and you call it a white supremacist movement, all you're doing is margil- marginalizing people of color. You're marginalizing the black and brown people that are actually involved in this thing. What sense does that make? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's uh, you know, and then... Where's the other one I found? Oh, and then here's uh, Trudeau <laughs> now oh, changing his good. tone a little bit. Listen to this. This one's real good. Slow down. Oh, you can't see it. One second. Um, let me rewind this real quick. While you pull it up, um, we are going to get to the probably what is the, the the biggest indicator that this is not a white supremacist movement right after we hear what Justin Trudeau had to say today because people think are you playing the video I think you're playing it's it kind of it some people are saying he's breaking other people are saying he's being tone deaf here it could okay. be it could be both yeah here listen to what he has to if say if you joined the protests because you're tired of covid you now need to understand you are breaking laws. The consequences are becoming more and more severe. You don't want to end up losing your license, end up with a criminal record, which will impact your job, your livelihood, even your ability to travel internationally, including to the US. We've heard your frustration with COVID, with the measures that are there to keep people safe. We've heard you. It's time to go home now. <laughs> okay. He's like basically pleading. Let me go first. Couple of things here. Number one is this is what autocrats do. They threaten their own people. However that may be. Oh, you you could lose your job. You're breaking the law. That's and number before, one. This, yep, this, and you know what? And before we even I'm gonna pause you real quick. Who else did this two years ago? 
when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Ah, yes, yes. Get those people out of there. Yeah, Trump. Donald Same J. exact Trump. shit. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that I had to say that that I have to say about this is when he says "we hear you," what he left out after he said "we hear you" is "but we don't care." Yeah. And, and 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 secondly, and secondly, it's time to go home now. Sounds like you're at your friend's house as the sun is going down and you've finished dinner and it's time to stop playing video games. <laughs> stop lecturing me. Now. Stop lecturing me like I'm a fucking child, you yuts. Do something. <laughs> you damn Canuck. Is that, is, that a, is that a slur yet or no? Can I call him a Canuck? I think that's still okay. <laughs> I mean, they're all white supremacists. Yeah, that was they're all white supremacists, anyways. So who cares, right? What's that? What do you say? And so that was a way different tone than in the beginning, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then yeah. what's funny too is I was thinking about this is you know the uh, and it's so I guess what really got me fixated on this is like the narrative, the narrative real quick about how this went, about how like the the liberal media was like trying to downplay this because that's not something that they had ideologically agree with. Sure is the same playbook that the right was using just two years ago against the black lives matter protest. Yeah. You know, and then the people on the, like people on the left would be like, yeah, but that was about injustice. And that was about helping, you know, black lives. It was black lives matter. Mm -hmm. We're bringing attention to this serious thing, which is true. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that, that movement is like not uh, legitimate at a hundred percent is if I'd thought it wasn't, I wouldn't have been in Detroit. I wouldn't have been to multiple protests standing on the front line with my sign that said, why is holding people accountable so controversial? <laughs> like, it's absolutely right. And right. And so it's, it's the same thing. And the narrative now from the left is trying to just do all the same taxes, just disparage them. Oh, it's just a bunch of crazy people and this and that. And it's not, dude. Label it. Just, all you got to do is label something racist, and that's the yep, end of or it. Or label something socialist, and the little bubble and the little group that they hang in, they just write it off. They're like, okay, well, I'm glad that's settled, and then they don't have to think about <laughs> it anymore. To, you don't have to think about it anymore. And uh, there was an article. Uh, I'm trying to find it here. What was, what was the gentleman's name? Here we go. From Newsweek, from uh, Jamil Giovanni, with regards to why you have to stop calling this movement racist. Mm-hmm. There's a group... On Instagram, POC for Freedom Convoy. It has 62,000 followers. Now, this is all people of color, right? This is, uh, oh, is it, do we have, we have a comment here? <laughs> Truckers are going to be dispersed and put down like a, bu- like a bunch of rabid dogs. They are. Okay. Well, then. That's, that's very tolerant. Welcome to, auto- uh, welcome to autocracy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Quelch. So I've got I've got a anyone few, who's against your thoughts. I've got a few videos uh, from uh, POC Freedom Convoy since this is all just a bunch of white supremacists, right? Just label people ra- label the movement racist, and we can move on from it. Um, people in let's my take comments a look here. talking about how dare you support the convoy? How dare you align yourselves with racists? Do you work for or financially support any racist people or businesses? So you don't shop at H and M or Gucci or Adidas or Prada, just to name a few, right? And you're not complying with these Nazi-like mandates that discriminate against a minority. And every child matters. So you stop shopping from companies that use child slave labor, right? You don't give your money to Nike, Kylie Cosmetics, Amazon, Apple. All I'm saying is nobody's hands are clean right now. So 
We all need not judge. Want to support the convoy? Support the convoy. You don't want to support the convoy? All right, it's kind of lame, but fine. Look <laughs> at that white supremacist. And wait, and- yeah, and this so this Instagram that you're you're sharing from this is from this is from a Instagram page that was made called People of What is it? POC POC for freedomconvoy.com. POC obviously standing for And it's uh, literally of color. 60,000 followers with video after video of people from different minority groups supporting this. But bunch of white supremacists i love this one i wish i i'll have to fi- figure i'll have to find this young it's lady's not name about being woke. it's not about being pro or anti all of this other fucking bullshit i think we need to emphasize you know being pro nuance and i think the conversation not even i think i know because i see it and because of the research that i do we're in a time where things are so just binary thought is taking over right? Binary thought that there can only be two ways of being, two states of being. And people are not practicing discernment enough. We're not practicing discernment. And even when you kind of take it to the most basic level, a lot of us don't trust ourselves. We don't trust ourselves to be right. We don't trust ourselves even to be wrong or even to make a mistake and know that you're not fixed in that mistake for the rest of your life. And even when I go a little bit further into that, when it comes to self-trust, which is not, and I'm not speaking about self-trust in a kind of blah, 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 um, <laughs> a kind of top-line self-helpy way, I'm really talking about you knowing what your values and your personal ethics are. So many of us wouldn't, if I was to say, what are your values? The average person doesn't fucking know. What are your personal ethics? I can stop it there because... What she says there to me is so perfect. What are your values? What are your personal ethics? And when you when you go through the cesspool that is social media, don't worry. You know the corporate media, whether it be the CBC in Canada and other and, and other ne- other Canadian networks, or whether it be CNN and MSNBC or Fox News here or Occupy Democrats or Breitbart. Don't worry, they'll tell you what your ethics and values are. Don't worry about don't worry about figuring that out for yourself. Don't worry about figuring out the fact that it's not that hard. It is really not that hard. In about 5 to 10 minutes, you can easily scour even the censored portions of the internet and figure out that this freedom convoy is not white supremacist. It will take you 5 minutes to completely yeah. debunk whatever you're being told by the corporate media. It's really easy to do. And I'm, I'm glad she brought up ethics, actually, because when she talked about like how people are afraid to make their own decision, and it, uh, it goes basically, I don't know if you ever heard of the stages of moral development. So there's three stages. Shaking it's my pre-conventional. head, sorry. Oh, I'm looking at a different screen, so I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> there's three stages of moral development. There's pre-conventional, conventional, and post-conventional. So pre-conventional is obedience and punishment orientation. Like, how can I avoid punishment? Stage two is conventional and it's interpersonal accord and conformity to social norms, good boy, good girl attitude. And post-conventional, which is social contract orientation, where it's justice and the spirit of the law. And what you're seeing is in groups of people, these different stages of moral development combat with each other. Where some people are afraid to just use their own ethics code and are just following the narrative. Yeah, it's like 
uh, daddy, please tell me what to do next. Yeah. I don't want to be in trouble. Yeah. Just what, what, what's going to make me look good to everybody. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can move on to the next topic. I mean, I'll just leave it at this. It, it, it is, just, I, it, go is ahead. it is, and I'll, I'll let you finish Corey. But the last thing I really have to say about this is it, it, it's just not hard to tell that this, this is a unifying movement. It, it really is. And, and we, we've talked, we t- we've talked about this a bunch of times, especially over the last couple of months. It's, it's just, it's not even, it's not about COVID anymore. It's not about science. It's not, it, it stopped being about that so long ago. And I don't understand the people that still go, well, we got to do this. We got to save lives. We got to save lives. The data, you know, in April of 2020 or whatever, suggested that COVID was going to be really, really bad and kill a lot of people. And it, and it did, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. It absolutely did. We all did our part. I stayed home. I zoomed with friends. I didn't go to 100%. friends' houses. I drank at home. Wiped down I wore the groceries, a mask right? To the store. Huh? Wiped down the groceries. I got I got I got two shots. I got double back. I bought like an this- ozonator. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is for people who don't know an ozonator, it adds an extra molecule of uh oxygen to uh the water. So it makes water like a sanitizer and a purifier. I had a five month old home. And well, there was a yeah. point where like the, the death rate was like at 10%, but now it's like, we know what this uh, virus does. We know how to combat it. Are people still dying? Yes. And that's tragic. Mm-hmm. But there's a certain point where we kind of just have to just yeah, you know, use the Republican trope and strap, lace up our bootstraps. But the other thing too, Corey, is that whether you're talking about the Canadian government or you're talking about our government here in the United States. The, the the narrative is constantly save lives, save lives, save lives. We've called this out a couple times. Okay, why aren't you mandating that Moderna and Pfizer send vaccines to the developing world that doesn't have any? That's number you're one. You're saying the quiet part out loud. You that, want to save lives, but you don't want to yeah. lose out on your bottom line. That's number one. And number two is both of these governments, and maybe I, I'm not really familiar I'm not. I'm certainly not as familiar with with the Canadian government, and and even less so, you know, when you go across a pond. But I can speak for the United States, which is where um, it's getting better. But there, there was just this unbelievable tone deafness about what it meant to uh, the the average working person to a lockdown, which hasn't been done in most places for a while, but mandate vaccines. When people are a little bit hesitant and then and then taking away their livelihood and you can't just say, well, just get vaccinated because now you're taking away body autonomy. And that is where both of these governments have been so unbelievably tone deaf. They, they have it's OK. What's the virus doing? They've paid really close attention to that, maybe too close attention to that, but not where all of these mandates and all of these policies affect people at home. That's the tone deafness. Exactly. And like. The, no one wants to talk about how uh, black people, especially in America, are in, in in Canada too. Arguably, they have good Very reason vaccine hesitant. because they can't trust the government yep. because they keep getting fucked by the government. They're one of the lowest vaccinated rates groups. So you could make the argument that these mandates are kind of racist. You could say that. Could you say that? I mean, that's probably that's probably being a little bit uh, hyperbolic, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. When these minority groups are are hesitant for good reason historically to get You're vaccinated. segregating people, yeah, absolutely You're disparaging people who are trying to just choose what they want to do do with their own body. 
body autonomy is body autonomy. The left was all about this until they decided to force vaccines on people. We're pro-choice, but also pro-everybody has to get better do what the government tells you to do. Everybody has to get a, yeah, everybody has to get a needle in their arm. It's like saying, well, everybody's got to go get a tattoo. Hey, that, that happened in the 1940s in Germany, by the way. Oh, and you know what? I can't, I can't make that comparison. You can, you can explain it away. You can just say, yeah, but they're just being dumb. But you know what? You, you know, it's, you say the same shit about or uh yeah you say the same shit when it comes to people talking about uh abortion yeah absolutely i think we can move on now Corey. i think we spent more time on that yeah, well we i to. guess so i guess what i want i wanted to button that up and yeah, like this was a off. movement that i probably wouldn't even have paid attention to and it was like you know whatever you know we, we stick to usually like american politics unless it it's involves america with like foreign policy and stuff but I smelled the bullshit a mile away, dude. When you read books by Noam Chomsky, like Manufacturing Consent, and when you read books like Hate Inc. by uh, Matt Taibbi, Matt Taibbi, and they point out things like this and how narratives go and things like that, and it's like it's like holy shit. And otherizing, otherizing people and making them evil. That's yeah. that's what the whole calling the Freedom Convoy racist is all about. We will otherize mm-hmm. that group. We'll put them on the fringe. We'll make it seem like if you don't. If, if if you associate with those people, well, you're guilty by association. You're also an other. You're also a racist. It's a fringe group, but there's enough of them to where we have to outlaw horn honking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I wanted to say what's really funny, too, is these damn Canadians, they're really embodying the spirit of their uh, national bird. The Canadian goose and just honking their horns like a bunch of assholes. Yeah, because yeah, because those Canadian geese, those those honk, things, are, honk, those things are assholes. Honk. I hate those you're damn birds. Park. We're in you're Michigan. In We're in Michigan, so we uh we we deal with them here too, and they are uh, just a pain in the ass. You're in the park. It's all nice. It's a beautiful day. You're sitting there with your family, and then all of a sudden, a flock of fucking Canadian seagulls or Canadian geese show up, and they just park right next to you. Just making all this noise, and it's like, what are you lost, bud? Like, shit back over the border, you piece of shit. Shitting all over my golf courses. God. Oh, those bastards. Terrible. And then they try to attack your kid. (laughs) (laughs) Those little bastards. Like, they know they're protected. This walking across the street like a bunch of pricks. Corey, you know a little bit more about this story than me, but I don't know a whole lot of people that do. Uh, Did you know that Flint still doesn't have clean water? Yeah. And a Democratic yep, administration no, still hasn't held a republic, the pre- predecessor Republican administration accountable. I literally just let our, I read our ticker verbatim. Uh, you actually know a little bit more about the developments of this story than I do. So I will, uh, I'll let you take the lead on this one, and I'll just sit here and drink wine and talk about how government sucks a little bit more. Yeah, so I'll start off by saying how uh, it's, it's a big... So if this happened in, what, 2014? So it's been like eight years since the Flint water crisis happened. So for people who don't know... There's a city in Michigan that is really, really poor, like like the government, like the local government itself was to the point where they had a, such a low credit rating, they couldn't even borrow money or anything like that. And so they were trying to figure out a way to, to scrimp and save some cash. They decided to go away from the Great Lakes Water uh, Administration, uh, is the GW, GLWA, is that the Great Lakes Water Administration? Yeah, I mean, that's... I forget what the acronym is, but like... They were here originally Michigan, on Detroit water, which is clean. Yeah, here in Michigan, we're we blessed use. to have some of the purest and cleanest water in the world. 
if you all you have to do is look up Michigan and you see that we are surrounded by it. It's basically salt-free oceans. We have tides. We have more coastline, I think, than any other state in the nation. Freshwater. Of freshwater. Well, yeah. just yeah, just coastline in general. You know. No, I think, and I think we, Florida you know, has and, more. Uh, I know. I think we do, dude. I don't think. Google so. that. I'm gonna keep going. All right. Google it real quick. And uh, because you have the UP as well. And uh, yeah, we have, uh, and so we have all this fresh water and they wanted to save some cash and they wanted to switch to, which one was it? It was like coming from a different, one of the different lakes. But until that time, yeah, but the Flint River was supposed to be temporary. Yeah. It was originally coming, I believe from uh, St. Clair. They were on Detroit's water system. That's what I know. Yeah. Which would be coming from Detroit River, like St. Clair River. And they wanted to switch to the Huron water system. But in the meantime, until they did that, they had, they wanted, they were going to take it from the Flint River. Well, the Flint River isn't so clean, and it's very it has a very high pH level, which makes it oxidizing. So when they did that, they didn't treat the water properly, and that high oxidation when going through the old pipes in this old city, it was leaching lead from the pipes Bro. and sending that to people's houses. What's Ala- Alaska. God damn it, Alaska. <laughs> okay, so I'm sorry. In the continental U.S., I think I think I think Florida's number two. Is it? Oh, maybe not because it's not including Michigan's freshwater coastlines. But Alaska still definitely has more coastline than Michigan. There's no way it doesn't. Yeah, you're probably right. Alaska's a big ass state. Yeah. So there we go. It's Alaska. <laughs> Alaska than Michigan. I'm standing by it, Dan. All right, whatever. I'm not. I'm not looking into this any deeper than I just did. Go ahead. You'd have to look into the miles because we might actually beat Alaska. Who knows? Maybe not. I'm not looking at. We'll this have to tweet about it later. Any deeper. <laughs> but so. Uh, so yeah, so they switched to the to the Flint River, and that water was oxid was so high in pH that it was leaching lead from the pipes, and it was kind of just pushed under the rug, and like they, they kept denying it. Our our government, it was run by a Republican government at the governor at the time with a Republican administration. The governor and the governor, Governor Snyder. I'm going to say his name, and he, under his lead leadership. Uh, they kept saying, "Oh no, it's fine. It's fine. It's it does nothing. Don't worry about it." Meanwhile, people were losing hair. People were getting rashes. They were finding high peaks of lead levels in children's blood. Legionnaires' disease. Legion. People were dying from Legionnaires' disease. And then finally, they were like, oh, "Okay, yeah, this is bad." And then the so the problem was they couldn't just go, "Oh, this is bad," and pull a switch and switch back to Great Lakes because the pipes were all devastated. So they've had to go there and then rip up miles and miles of water lines all throughout this neighborhood to which arguably it could probably be done by now. If Obama would have made it a, uh, a natural disaster. Can I get a glass from, of water from, from Air Force One? <laughs> and, <laughs> and arguably it could have been done if he made it a natural disaster, but he didn't. He called it a, was it a state of emergency or whatever. Where if it was a natural disaster, they could have brought in the Army Corps of Engineers and had this buttoned up real quick. But here it is, eight years later, and on February 28th, 2022, a school district unveiled a new state-of-the-art hydration station during a ribbon-cutting ceremony at Southwestern Classical Academy. And it was uh, making it so the kids could just drink out of the water fountains again. It was a water filtration system. Actually, but or 
paid for by Elon Musk, $480,000 to the district for the water filtration station. What an asshole help. Elon Musk is. My God. You know, what a prick. Jesus. And uh, he put in, so this led to an installation of 130 water stations between the district's 11 schools and the administrative administration building. But now, like, that's great, right? But the actual water system that's up to that point is still so bad that they have to put signs in the bathrooms to tell the kids to not drink from the faucets in the bathroom. It's safe to wash your hands, but you can't drink it. So I'm looking at this article on flintbeat.com. This article is from two days ago or three days ago. And Arch Environmental Group, a third-party consultant to the district, has been field testing the filters and taking water samples for months. Tests show that lead levels remain high prior to entering the filters, averaging between three parts per billion and 219 parts per billion. Now, the federal level for this is 15 parts per billion, Dan. So you could do that math real quick at how many times over this is. Say that number. Say those numbers again. So... The Environmental Protection Agency's recommended actionable level for for lead in the water is 15 parts per billion. Before this filtration system, up to these schools, eight years later, tests show that lead levels remain high prior to entering the filters, averaging between three parts per billion and 219 parts per billion, depending on the school. Mm Mm-hmm. And according to the district documents attained by Flint B, the highest single reading was Scott Elementary School with one test showing levels of 620 parts per billion. So there's still lead all throughout these water. There's still people lining up at churches to get water. By the way, Corey, I just looked up the census data. And in case anybody was wondering, probably could have guessed this, uh, Flint is 54% African-American. Yeah, that's called environmental racism. And but yep, let's keep taking to Twitter. Because Newark, New Jersey is another one right now. Newark, New Jersey is dealing with the same stuff that's actually in the news that no one's really talking about. But let's keep taking to taking to Twitter and bitching about Joe Rogan. Let's just let's keep doing that. Right, and like don't get me wrong, they are they are actually starting to make ground. Like they are doing their best, I guess. But like this could have just been handled a lot better. It shouldn't have been done in the first place. They shouldn't have lied about it. There was, te- there was telltale signs. So General Motors has a plant in Flint. And months before it was even being mentioned, it was actually a doctor. I forget her name, but she's the one that was the whistleblower about lead levels in children. And uh, General Motors was switching from the Flint water and trying to get their own water in there because the water was rusting their parts in their cleaning process. It was rusting the parts and kids were just drinking this. There's like 20,000 kids that are going to be developmentally disabled for the rest of their lives because of this. And a 54% black community. No wonder why they don't trust the fucking government when it comes to vaccines. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and so I I can't even, I I can't even say what I really want to say. That's going on just what's exactly happening there. You know, let's talk about the houses. There's still like a bunch of houses. They still have to do stuff to They still, they're still tearing up pipes. Like they're, they're trying to fix it. This big blunder done by a Republican party all to save a buck. And you know, what's also funny too, is the same city manager that they put there in Flint ended up being put as one of the city managers with the schools in Detroit. And then while he was there, they were finding mushrooms growing in corners and mold in the schools and stuff like that. So he's a real asshole. (laughs) So that leads to an article that came out 
on January 17th of 2022 by Jordan Cheriton and our own hometown hero, Charlie LaDuff. Mm, one of the love Charlie. best goddamn investigative journalists you have ever seen in your life. But he was on Tucker Carlson the other day, so he's he's racist. He's he's a piece Yeah, of he's, so he's a racist now, even though he's part black. <laughs> That's true. You, he can, is. you can't say it's so funny because like he was he was like when you listen to his book, uh what oh fuck, what's the name of that book? Not the one about Detroit, but the one about America that he narrates himself. Anyways, he talks about how his father came from the south to the north and he was just light enough to where he was able to pass as a white person. So when shit this show happened, is the book you're referring to. Just say shit show. Shit show. Yep, yeah, shit show. That's it. Um so I'm looking at this article now. It's in The Guardian. It's by Jordan Cheriton and Charlie Duff. And it's revealed water poisoning charges that never came to light. And it's basically what this article is talking about is how there was a Rico case brought up by Bill Schuette, you know, a guy that I didn't fucking like. Yeah, this guy who was a big Trump stooge. He was on his knees for Trump. You he know, he was the old AG, right? Yeah, he was the old AG that Nestle replaced. And uh, he was running for governor. That's he went right. from AG to run for governor. And like his whole stance was like, oh, well, Trump endorses me. <laughs> but uh, don't you love that? Yeah. That, yeah. That's by the, that's by the way, just as a yeah. side note, the, the Republican Party is still running on nothing and they're still going to clean up in 2022. So we'll see what happens there. I don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to win in Michigan, though. Maybe not. But I, I'm bet, you, I bet you Whitmer wins. Like my prediction right now is Whitmer wins the governorship in Michigan. Uh, Republicans, they don't think they have it. You know, they're not spending any money here. It, the, the elections are in, what is that, seven months, eight months? Mm-hmm. And you, who is, who is, who's even there? Chief Craig, who you haven't even heard anything about. And then that other girl, Tudor Dixon, who's being supported by Trump. So she's obviously not going to get it because as evidenced by the 2018 sweep and the 2020 election, Michigan went blue the last four years. Mm-hmm. Trump close, is- though, close. Close, but Trump is a stain for Michigan. He tried to get rid of the Great Lakes Water Initiative. He, yeah, people in Michigan don't like him. If a Republican came out and was like disparaged Trump, he'd probably do better. Um, but I digress. Mm-hmm. That was my fault. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it's all information. It's not misinformation. Don't worry. It probably, it probably <laughs> is. It probably is somewhere to someone. Right, <laughs> but uh. So a team of prosecutors and investigators leading the investigation of the Flint water crisis from 2016 to 2018 were assembling a racketeering case against the architects of a bond deal that residents and experts say sparked the health disaster. Sources familiar with the criminal investigation have told The Guardian. You know, this article isn't, I almost just want to read this thing verbatim, but it's a little bit too long. So I'll just try to give the cliff notes. But so under Bill Schuette, you know, Trump's guy, he was bringing the case, which would have come under the RICO, which is racketeering influence and corrupt organizations. And he wanted to charge these, the groups, all the people that were together in the government under a RICO case for, there was fraud. They were saying that there was a, there was fraud money because Flint had such low money that they couldn't actually borrow money, but then they got a grant for, uh, they got grant money to clean up a limestone waste site. And then what they did was they sold bonds to use the money to, instead of cleaning that up, to 
re replace the water system transfer the water and and also there's at least correct me if i'm wrong on this Corey, because you know a little bit more they knew before they transferred that water over to the flint water they knew that that water was not safe correct right and they knew yeah they knew enough that they had to do water treatment they just never did it right because it was wasn't the plant fucked up or something something didn't i can't remember yeah, I believe that's what it was. Like, <laughs> Don't quote yeah, us on this, just, but it's something like that. <laughs> um, but so then Nestle came in and she said that she was going uh, to uh, go after everyone and uh, do all this stuff. And she dropped all those RICO charges. Mm -hmm. yeah. And she said that they that uh, a spokesperson for Nestle's office said the prosecution team reviewed all the evidence and pursued all viable charges. And they just let it go. Eric Mays, the chairman of the Flint City Council, like his quote is saying, Nestle, let it go. And uh, she was criticizing the uh, the investigation, worried that, uh, and it actually worried local activists. And they were all saying, well, wait, hold on. Like, we have to look into this. And um, let me see right here. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, uh, they just, they let it go. And, the, and the question they is were why? like, a Republican attorney general was about to hammer all of these people. But here's the thing. So Flint needed to borrow nearly $100 million to join the proposed Caragone Water Authority, which is the KWS. So that's the water they were going to, mm -hmm. that they were going to go through while they were waiting for the Huron system to come to fruition. That never did because they just switched back to Detroit and said, well, let's not do that anymore. But a state-issued environmental order allowed the city to get around its debt limit at the end access, $85 million in funding, $85 million in funding, money earmarked for an environmental calamity, in this case, the cleanup of a local lime sludge pit. But the prosecution under Shudi alleged that the money supplied by this order for the cleanup was redirected for other purposes instead of allowing Flint to issue ten instead allowing Flint to issue tens of millions of dollars in bonds to join the KWA. This allegedly fraudulent environmental order also mandated that the city of Flint use the Flint River as its water source while the KWA pipeline was under construction. Okay, so they were going to the KWA, and while they're doing that, they're going to use the Flint water, Flint River as its water source. Right. It outlined tens of knowing, millions of dollars. Knowing, by the way, knowing, by the way, that the Flint River was not a safe source of water at that yeah. current moment. Yes. Uh, the KWA pipeline was under construction. It outlined tens of millions of dollars in upgrades needed for the city's water plant so that the plant could safely treat Flint water for residents to drink. The problem, updates were nowhere near completed when the city switched its water supply to the Flint River in April of 2014. In addition, a failure to add proper corrosion control chemicals into the Flint River supply resulted in lead leaching off of Flint's older pipes and poisoning residents' drinking water. And so... Yeah, they were all in cahoots together. You know, they talk about in this that uh, sources from the Flint criminal investigation told the Guardian that those impending indictments were be filed as RICO charges because the uh, an FBI's office, a former director of the FBI in Detroit, said we believe there was significant financial fraud that drove this. Arena was the chief Flint water investigator under the Shooty era investigation that was dismissed after Nestle took office. After his fighting, Arena revealed that his team was within six months of filing significant financial charges, which he described as dropping a heavy rock. <laughs> Documents obtained by the Guardian further confirmed Flood's investigation was looking into potential bribery and racketeering, crucial cogs of RICO cases. In one petition to subpoena the outside contractor who worked as a KWA project manager obtained by the Guardian, 
Prosecutors said they had reasonable cause to believe that the corrupt transactions involving certain contractors, the Genesee County Dragon Commissioner's Office, other entities, and persons of interest had occurred. The header of the petition specified the header of the petition specified that prosecutors were investigating bribery, racketeering, and false pretenses. So why is Nestle not following these leads? We're talking about years and years of data compiled, like three years of a bunch of stuff put together to nail these motherfuckers. And we're talking about Republicans and Dana Nestle is a Democrat. Well, when you really start to look into it, the people that gave this money for these bonds was Goldman Sachs. (laughs) <laughs> Goldman Sachs, JP or JP Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo, who along with the third financial firm under underwrote the KWA bond deal, could have also faced some similar financial penalties for failing to do their due diligence as outlined in the administrative order that preceded the bond deal. And Goldman Sachs is bad with the, with the Democratic establishment and yeah, it's all Oh yeah, who gets who was president at the time and who gets all of this bank money? Right, it's it's yeah. It uh, always follow the money. J.P. Morgan and J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo declined to comment. (laughs) I can't imagine why. So, Nestle, who stressed justice for Flint as an attorney general hopeful, and the prosecution team she selected dropped already filed financial fraud charges against the state and city officials. Is an is it's an open question for many who have extensively followed and studied the Flint water crisis. Nestle's moves just don't make sense. It almost makes you wonder, too, Corey. It makes you wonder. What had hap- What would have happened had Bill Schuette beaten Gretchen Whitmer in that gubernatorial election? Do you think it would have? Bill Schuette might have dropped. Do you think it? Do you think it would? But we all had TDS back then. Yeah, and and do you? But, but do you think it would have gone away? As soon as he said he was like, I didn't even look into him anymore. As soon as he said he was endorsed by Trump, I was like, well, fuck that guy. Yeah, but I mean, saying he got a like, let's say in an alternate universe, he beat Gretchen Whitmer and became the governor of Michigan. Does the same thing happen? Does it just kind of just slowly go away? Or do you think he actually follows through on this? I think it's really tough to say when you have places like uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, and other financial financial institutions involved. Oh, yeah. So Dana Nessel, you know, she had her spokesman and stuff. She didn't actually speak to the Guardian about this. She had someone give them just a little bland statement. You know, Shooty was talking, uh, just chirping like a bird, though. When asked for a comment for this piece, Shooty told the Guardian, he did have a, we had big a strong mouth. team. Going on to refer to the arena and floods, Shooty added, We had a very aggressive approach in terms of the charges you're talking about. I hope there's still a commitment to the people of Flint and getting them the full justice they deserve. Yeah, but that's easy for him to say now. You know what yeah. I mean? It's really you know, he's on the outside looking in yeah, for sure. 100%. But he was in the ship for four years, three years, two years, whatever. How long? Yeah, three years or whatever. But let's. But by the. But you know, you you, you guys heard that story. You folks, I'm sorry. You folks heard that story. Yeah. But, so but, after publication of this story, a spokesperson for the current criminal investigation told the Guardian, "When our team assumed responsibility over the Flint water prosecutions, we pursued all viable charges based on an exhaustive review of the entire body of evidence, including the evidence that had not been obtained by the Shuti administration." The spokesperson went on to say that the evidence reviewed led to the indictments of nine individuals who are currently in court. And let me be clear, the spokesperson added, there was no charge that was not evaluated. There was no lead that was not pursued. Why would you drop? Like, they were going to file the charges. All they had to do was sign the dotted line. And even if it, even if it, even if it fell through, who gives a shit? You're at least trying. There's, there's, there's obviously something that hasn't been uncovered yet. And hopefully, I mean, Charlie LaDuff has been on this 
this whole thing since day one. I'm waiting. I'm waiting, Charlie. I'm waiting for that next big story. Like, what's like? Because there's still a there's a puzzle piece missing here. Still, isn't there, Corey? Don't you think there is? And there's money involved. Yeah. Dude. It always the money. Always follow the money. I voted for Whitmer in 2016. I did as well. Or 2018. I did as well. And honestly, I might hold my nose and vote for her again in 2022. I don't but know. If yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'll figure right. it out. Like, I don't know. Like, but uh, if there's someone that's going against Dana Nessel, I'm not voting for Dana Nessel. Hey, look, we've talked about this before about Big Gretch. I've had my She's issues. A tactician, yeah. I, I've had my issues with her. There, there have been, you know, her her original COVID policy got on my nerves for a while, but she backed down. I mean, Michigan's Michigan's wide open at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, we have we don't really have a whole lot to complain about when it comes to COVID restrictions or any of that. Um, yeah, I guess I guess what I'm saying is I might vote for her again is because I'm not going to just vote for some chump because oh, agreed. it's not Whitmer. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I but just, if it was like a Candace Miller, uh, Chief Craig duo coming in, it's a toss up. But I mean, we talked about this. If Gretchen Whitmer is one thing, she it really is a fantastic politician. I mean, she really is a fantastic politician. She... Uh, she she does a good job of that political spin. Oh yeah, she does. So like right now, you saw how, and I don't know if we I don't know if it was in our show prep or if we mentioned it last week, but uh, um, uh, you saw what happened in Virginia with Youngkin and McAuliffe, mm-hmm. and how the Democrat lost in the blue state mm-hmm. to the red guy, and it was about schools. Yeah, it was all about schools. Whitmer. And her recent state of the state address was like, nope, schools got to stay open. Listen here, my Michiganders. <laughs> but are we But are we taking masks off? I, I haven't paid attention to that locally, honestly. Well, they are in, uh, like in all the other blue states, in Oregon, Connecticut, New Jersey. Uh, what's the other one? Delaware, which Delaware is uh, your or boy's jo- I thought state. It was, I thought it was Georgia, because Georgia's technically blue right now. No, oh. I don't know. They probably are. Doesn't matter. Like a- you heard the story, folks. I mean... You can if you can figure out the uh, the missing puzzle piece here is yeah, it just, why it nobody's been charged sense. and why Flint still doesn't have clean water. The fact that Elon Musk had to come in and put in like special robotic futuristic t- drinking fountains so that kids could get a goddamn drink of water in school. By the right. way, like, don't I'll say wrong, it again. Still- I'll say it again. Fifty four percent black in Flint. But again, let's keep bitching about Joe Rogan. Right. Finish it off, Corey. Yeah, and it's again like we're we're making strides out there. I I feel so goddamn bad for those people in that city. Like we were bringing water out there and stuff for them back then and stuff like that. And uh, it's it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's absolutely insane that like and now when there's actual justice, like there's like there's charges that are now like eight it's like what almost like you know, seven eight years later, the charges are now just being brought settlements from the court system are now just being settled they were trying to but let that statute they're still having to rip out. up shit like in that article that i was talking about from flint uh from flint beat the very first here's like the first uh let me find it real quick the first couple sentences are talking about cheers right here it says Flint, Michigan. Flint Community School Superintendent Kevin Jones filled a cup of water from a fountain, raised it to his lips, and took a sip. 
The small crowd of students and community members cheered. It was the first time someone had safely drank from a Flint school water fountain in years. Kids, kids, how hold on, is wait a that minute. something to fucking cheer, Dan? Well, it's not, but but think, but let, let me. I mean, put, they let, they obviously they're very happy. Like, oh great, we can finally drink water. But let me put that in context. But that's for something you, right? that we all just fucking take for granted. Put that in context for just one second. So it's been eight years. It's been eight oh years, and, and what are we talking about? An elementary school? Yeah. There have been kids that have started that school and graduated from that school without being able to drink safe water. Yeah, think about that for a second. Yeah, that's insanity. People that came into that school, they couldn't drink from the drinking fountains, and they left that school and couldn't drink from the drinking fountains. Unbelievable. Do you want to talk quickly about union busting (laughs) before before we get to what I think is the 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 coup de gras of this episode? We'll get to no knock warrants, but do you want to talk about union busting for just a second? That Staten Island video that I showed you. Sure, bring it up. Absolutely unbelievable. It's so interesting that the liberal media and even the conservative media, actually, this is a, this is really a bipartisan deal, uh, is supporting these workers' rights and supporting this workers' revolution, so long as, of course, it doesn't uh, interfere with Amazon's bottom line. There was a video that was thrown out, um, actually, at Status Coup threw this out, which uh, I believe... Is uh, Charlie LaDuff has been has done some work with as well in the past. I could be wrong about that, but um, this video is from what looks to be some sort of goofy, odd social distance conference room uh, mm-hmm. in uh, uh, New Jersey, and you can see there are people in here. I'll, I'm just, I'll let me just play it for you real quick before we even mess around. I am asking. Every- Start it over. So what's what's going on here for people that are just listening to this show? This is a this is basically a union busting meeting. This is this is a, this is Amazon trying to get its workers to basically not support unionizing in New Jersey, and there are folks in this room that appear to be I don't know either pre-shift or post-shift people that aren't about to start working. You can tell if you're watching the video because there are people wearing you know the the construction vests, and there are people that have their bags and their their supplies with them and what this gentleman is essentially trying to do is kick all the people that aren't wearing the vests that aren't supposed to be in the room out of the room because they're pro-union and they know what this meeting is about to be about and they refuse to leave i want to understand how we're in Is this a non-work area? All right. Is this a non-work area? I think I said it three times already. 
ask you to leave the room. You ask me. Well, we don't have it. Yeah, we're staying. We're staying. I'll leave the room. I'm being supported. We're staying. Believe me, we're organizing on our non work time. This is legally protected collective action by the law. You know that. That's the that's the general man. We allow them to go. Yes, Felipe, we're protected under Section 7A. We're protected under Section 7A. I and this is this is the same reason why we're in this room because Amazon does a lot of things just like I this. So I guess I, I'm guess working. So you guys are continuously breaking laws. This is what we're going to do. We are going to get this session started, right? We're going to get this session started. I very clearly told everyone who was not scheduled to be here to leave the room, and you decided to stay. So we're going to get this session started right by the general manager. And then both of the folks that you heard uh, speaking, I guess what that gentleman would consider to be out of turn. Uh, you could you could hear them getting on the phone and, and I'm assuming calling their superiors, but like they, 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 not their superiors. They're probably calling the union reps. They're they're bringing in the people. Like so, basically, what's going on is those people showed up because they heard they caught a whiff of this union busting thing, and so they are all being you know collectively there to support each other to tell them to no, we're all here to stop your bullshit. Yeah, and this is this is a tactic that Amazon has used before in certain other areas. I know um, I cannot remember which state. I want to say Tennessee. There was recently a, uh, a a unionized manager of Starbucks that was recently fired without explanation. Um, that shouldn't be that hard to find. I know there's ongoing stuff in uh, Bessemer, Alabama. Uh, that was, I believe, the first Amazon. Uh, whatever it is, warehouse that, that tried to unionize. Um, basically Amazon fucked up the entire process. It actually went to court. The court said, no, no, no. And they're, they will yep. be, they'll, they'll be voting again. I want to say in late March. And that's something I want to give Biden credit for actually. Uh, his, his people who are in the labor, uh, what is it? The labor relations administration. That's something, I think it's the NLRA, the national labor relations administration. I don't know the exact acronym, but uh, they're pretty pro-union. Biden's actually really, really pro-union. And a lot of this stuff that we're seeing now is getting back, is getting back by the federal government that we wouldn't have seen, you know, a short year and a half ago. Yeah. But that's it. That's look, all I wanted to add. Look, Amazon workers can and should unionize because yeah a lot of what they're a lot of what they're looking for at least from what i've seen especially at amazon i don't know i can't speak as much for starbucks because that's the other company that's kind of had these little unionizations but I, I haven't looked as much into that one but what i can say about amazon is that it's not even so much money like that they're looking for um you know amazon I mean, I guess with inflation, maybe not so much at this moment, but over the last year, you know, they have raised wages. That's awesome. But I used to work jobs like this, and what I could I could say from experience is, it's, it's dude, it's not always about what you're paying me. It's about how you're treating me. I mean, these, right. these people are treated like fucking robots. They're not allowed to take a piss. Yeah, have you ever they're, seen those stories? They're fired of like, via text message, Corey. I mean, yep. it's crazy. Coworkers dying on the floor, and they have to like kind of walk around the body while they're figuring shit out. Oh, like, there's been like a ton of miscarriages. We're paying you more money. A bunch of miscarriages and stuff from women who are working there who have pregnancies, and it's like I'm pro union in a sense for when people are being mistreated. 
You know, if you're working in a factory that they treat you right, you know, they give you good benefits, they give you good pay and things like that. And then you might not necessarily need a union, but certain places you need a collective bargaining. And and when that happens, it shouldn't be like that's protected by federal law. Yeah, and and for anybody who who might be anti-union, I also honestly I kind of understand it's it's a complicated issue because I kind of understand that argument. I do think because there, they get just as corrupt as governments exactly. do. Exactly, I do think there 100%. are unions in this country that have too much power, that have you know I, I the example I always give. I'm sorry, I love my teachers. UAW. But God damn it, I oh, hate yeah, your no, the union. teachers' union. Absolutely. God damn it, I hate your union. I love my teachers. I, I think they need to be paid more. First of all, if they have such a powerful union, why aren't they paid more? By the way, has yeah. anybody ever asked that question? So that's why, like, I almost like like to use the term collective bargaining. Like, I'm like, I don't want to necessarily say I'm pro union, but if it works for people, I know people that are union. Like, I think we it's come a case a, by case a, thing. A, right? a, a state that's very unionized. They have so many benefits that it's great, but there's negative aspects to it. Like there is a lot of other stuff. So I like to try to say that I'm just pro collective bargaining. I think that if you're in a company, when you have a certain amount of employees that your employees should have, there should be a chain of like, not necessarily a chain of command, but there should be a spokesperson for those employees that are there and that they should all be able to get together. Is, is another thing that's interesting here too, that I, that I actually just thought about when you said pro pro-collective bargaining. I'm really interested to see how these smaller localized unions kind of work out. You know what I mean? Because when we talk about these 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 corrupt unions and these unions that have too much power, they're huge. I mean, they span across states and sometimes across the entire country, like the UAW. Yeah, like the Teamsters unions, yeah. the UAW unions, the iron workers. Yeah, there's a bunch of them. For so trade I'm, I'm really interested to see how these little specialized unions actually uh, operate i mean maybe keeping it localized and specialized like the collective bargaining agreement that they want in this particular staten island amazon what they want may be a little bit different than what they want in bessemer alabama and so to be able to individually collective collectively bargain on their own i'm really interested to see how that works out and honestly if you're amazon i don't see why you wouldn't be interested in seeing that too because you you got to believe there's somebody that's a higher up at Amazon that is interested in making their workers happier. Happy because it makes their jobs easier. Because, yeah, yeah, it almost comes down to, like, what came first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. There's a reason all these workers want to unionize in the first place. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, like I come from a shop. Like, unions aren't even talked about. You know, we're paid well. We have good benefits. We have an open door policy with our boss. We can go in there and not just talk about grievances without any rep, like any sort of uh, um, reprimand, like reprimands or anything like that, or any sort of like negative effects happening to our job. But we're in a place where it's almost like a union without having to pay the a ridiculous union due. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and if more companies treated, like for example, you know, we just got a we just got a bonus because we did good. You know, they're like, hey, yeah, we had a good quarter. Here's some extra cash. It's like, fuck, it's great. Fuck the government for taking 25% of it. But (laughs) this is great. And it's like, if these companies took care of their employees, a union wouldn't be needed in the first place. I mean, but when you treat them just like cogs in a wheel, like, like fucking just a, uh, just a group of just like, 
just a herd that you're just throwing through a production slaughterhouse. Yeah, I mean, what what Jeff Bezos does with uh, his workers, how is that any different than what historically guys like Carnegie and Rockefeller did with their workers back in the day before unions were even known of? Right. It's, it's not that much different. It, it, it is different because those jobs were a hell of a lot more dangerous, but like, you know, we talked... People die on Amazon all the time. I understand that. And and that was what I was getting to. I mean, we talk a lot more about... It seems like more of a mental health issue at Amazon as opposed to... Necess- and that can turn into a physical health issue. It doesn't really matter. All we know is they're treated like shit. Carnegie and Rockefeller treated their workers like shit and didn't pay them enough money. You know, didn't give them enough rights. I mean, I, 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 wanna, I, think, I think Andrew Carnegie had, had people working for... 12 hours a day, six days a week. I mean, there was no, there was, there, there was just no labor laws at all back then. You could force somebody to work that much, you know, uh, you know, and their kids and their kids. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, I mean, this is the modern day version of that. I would closest thing I would say would be what Amazon's doing. So this is a developing story. We're, we're going to continue to, to cover, to cover this, I think, um, because I'm interested. I want to see where this goes. And I, and I personally, I'm rooting for these folks. Yeah, me too. You know, when it's a company as big as Amazon, where the guy makes so much goddamn money, he's just flying into literal fucking space and paying, uh, where, where's that at? In the Netherlands somewhere. Just having bridges fucking deconstructed so he can fit his big ass super yacht through. And you got people in his plants that are literally making him all this money going, hey, why don't you take care of us? And they're like, nope, I'm firing him via text. <laughs> Get fucked, Jeff Bezos. Another big problem in this country, Corey. No knock warrants. Oh my god! You were you were excited in a kind of a bad way to talk about this one, <clears throat> just because it makes me so goddamn mad. It makes me so fucking angry. <laughs> yeah, so you- I laugh. I laugh to keep myself from crying because when you actually watch you. the video, it's fucking sad, dude. It's. So a young man from, uh, where was Amir Locke from? I already forgot. Minneapolis. It was uh, the same goddamn city that George Floyd was killed in, dude. Murdered. George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis by police. And Amir Locke was murdered by police in Minneapolis for a no-knock warrant to a place that he was sleeping in. His name was not on the warrant. He has no criminal record. And the gun he owned was legal. He had a permit for it. He was sleeping on a couch. These cops didn't even beat on the door. They got a hold of a master key because it was an apartment from obviously the apartment complex. You see the video. They open the door, right? All quiet. They open the door. And then all of a sudden they just start yelling, oh, police, oh, police. Flashlights are going. The whole house is dark and quiet. He's sleeping on a couch. You see them kick the couch and he turns and the still screen, the still shot is he has the pistol in his hand with immaculate trigger control, mind you. His finger isn't even on the trigger, it's on the barrel. And they pump him full of lead and he dies. Sleeping on the couch. It's illegal to sleep in America, apparently. An innocent man with no criminal record. And that's what brings us to... An innocent black man. Yeah, And you know, and this happens far too often, like Breonna Taylor, there's Breonna Taylor laws. And as soon as he was killed, the police know they were in the wrong, Dan, because... As soon as he was killed, Minneapolis put a moratorium on no-knock warrants. So they know they fucked up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it well, does, like, is- obviously, like, black people are 
hurt more by stuff like this. It just seems like it happens time and time again. Yep. But let's let's back away from this. Let's put it on a broader scope. Okay. This could happen to me or you even. Of course. Two white, straight, cis male people in America. Well, with that, I then, swear then, to God, Corey, that means we would deserve it. Sorry. I, you know, like, I'm a CPL owner. I don't put stickers on my car that say, come and take it and this and that. <laughs> but I own I own guns. Yeah, because the whole point, the, and, kind of the whole point quick, of owning a gun is just to speak to your your lack of sticker. Kind of the whole point of owning a gun is like not letting people know that you have them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you have a CPL, it's like I'm not brandishing it. I don't want people to know I have it. Right. I just like to protect myself and my family. And if I'm sleeping, you know, my son sleeps in our like, my two year old sleeps in our bed more often than not, and my wife's in my bed with me. And if I hear beating at my door and I hear people kicking in. The first at 2 a.m. or at 6.45 a.m. in the morning, the first fucking thing I'm doing, Dan, is grabbing my gun. Mm -hmm. Because who the fuck is coming into my house, my domicile, that's protected by the Third Amendment and the Fourth Amendment? Who the fuck is this coming in my door? And he was gunned down and killed. And I hate, like... I love the idea that the attention is getting brought to systematic injustice, but at the same time, on the flip side of the coin, it creates a division to where you have all these white people who are coming from a point of privilege to where they're like, I don't know if that would happen to me, but it can look up the name Ryan Whitaker. It can fucking happen to you. And if we all unified and said, no, fuck this sad shit like this wouldn't happen. Here's here's what's so stupid, right? About no knock warrants, in my opinion, and maybe I'm just being a naive idiot here. But you already have the warrant, right? You have the warrant to enter the home. You know where the guy lives. At that point, when you like, so, you're like obviously like, well, he lives here. We have a warrant for an address. And so when you're again, and I'm not a law enforcement officer, I'd be interested to talk to one and 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 have somebody defend a position on no knock warrants. But I'm thinking common sense here, at least in my view. So. You already have the warrant to arrest whomever. You already have the right with that warrant to enter that home, you know, without them escorting you in, without saying you have permission to come in. I don't understand why you can't make your presence known and give them, regardless of how, you know, how dangerous you think the person is, make your presence known, give them a chance to come out. And I have then, friends who are police officers. And I then, know what you're saying. It's like, I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's like, I know what you're saying. It's like, yeah, like pound on the door and say, police, come out. And if they don't, then you kick the fucking door in. You know what I'm but saying? But at that point, they're alerted. And I there don't. is a chance that an officer could be killed. And it's like, okay, you know, that's a legitimate argument. But if if it comes to that point where you're that worried that uh, with the person, let's say they're a raging homicidal crazy fucking idiot wait till they leave the house you kicking in that you're kicking in the door to guns blaze anyways if you're just trying to figure out if they're there or not like i'm just asking for some discernment yeah and it almost seems like if you're These are if, supposed to be the trained professionals we're all the idiots who are on we're like we're the idiots in the public yeah and it almost seems like if you're you know if if you're why couldn't you just wait for them to eventually they're going to leave the house guy wasn't even there <laughs> Eventually, they're going to come back to the house. <laughs> yeah. I, dude, I, I don't know. I, I just can't. 
I, so I understand. Sad. I understand the argument of officer safety. I, I really, really do. But it's a job you sign up for, and that goes back to when we want to talk about police reform. Like, never mind the whole defund police thing, right? That's a dumb statement. It's it just makes it so easy for fodder for divisiveness for people to argue. That's and that's what it was. Pay, that's what that phrase was designed to do. By the way, let's train our police more, and let's uh, pay them more. Your sister is a hairdresser, right? Mm-hmm. She's had more fucking training to be a hairdresser than most of these fucking cops in our country. What the fuck is that about? You've probably had more training. You probably had more training on the machinery that you use before you. Yeah, started yeah the it's, job. it's all it's all uh, trial and error. If you don't lose <laughs> fingers, you're doing a good job. It's a lot like doing a podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't really have that much more to say. I, it just seems like when you're weighing the risk of officer safety versus innocent people being gunned down and then how many times how many videos have you seen of people of, of cops busting into the wrong fucking apartment or the wrong fucking house far too many times because i follow groups like police the police and stuff like that and i sit there sometimes and just get into those little like uh wormholes on the internet and i'm sitting there just watching this shit crying and shaking it's like how the fuck is this happening in what's supposedly a free country you know, like we all like we, it's funny because like we actually we were talking about this, talking about bringing this up on the show. They, uh, a lot of people are up in arms when we saw that uh, that reporter from where was he from? I think he was from Germany or somewhere over in Europe, where the Chinese police during the Olympics mm. all of a sudden pulled him away while he was just doing live reporting, and it's like, holy shit! Look, this is an oppressive country. Look what's happening over there, and it's like, oh wait, I saw this before. Two years ago, during the George Floyd protests, when cops were shooting reporters with rubber bullets and cops are arresting news reporters on the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Context is everything. Speaking of context. Oh, my goodness. Did you want me to get to my, <laughs> Ooh, my contra- a beautiful segue? Did you we want- got to stop just saying it's a beautiful segue when we do a beautiful segue because it takes away from the beautiful flow of that huh did you, did you want did you want me to get to <laughs> do you want me to get to my controversial monologue yeah let's do it <laughs> oh my goodness uh yeah so we've talked a lot about race today and this isn't gonna be any different uh title of tonight's monologue is white splaining and white people's relationship with the n-word uh With the latest controversy surrounding Joe Rogan, a certain word has made its way back into a lot of discussion with friends, family, and on social media. Don't worry, you won't hear it uttered anywhere in this piece. As a white suburban dude, I can't say it and don't intend or want to. So white people, let's talk about this word. Does it make you uncomfortable? It is Black History Month, after all. What does it mean to us? What is our relationship with it? The simple answer is nothing, and we have no relationship with that word. Our white ancestors created that word for no other reason than to degrade, hurt, and talk down to those that they saw as less than human. This is the only relationship white folks have ever had or ever will have with the N-word. So should you feel a need to have a relationship with that word, I urge you to keep that in mind. 
White people have absolutely no right to tell black people how to feel about or use that word. We have no right to tell the black community if they should be offended when they hear it, be it from a white suburban wine mom's mouth or the mouth of their own flesh and blood. And we didn't lose that right. We never had it. Stop the white-splaining, please. You've heard of mansplaining, I assume. White-splaining is the same thing. Except instead of a man giving a woman an oversimplified, condescending, ignorant, and often inaccurate explanation of something they know very little about, it's a white person doing it to the black community. And with the quote-unquote activist tweets designed to make white people appear anti-racist along with other social media avenues, it's easy to find it everywhere. You can find it on cable news. You can even find it with the Prime Minister of Canada. You can even find, I'm sorry, you can even find the Prime Minister of Canada doing it in regards to the recent Truckers for Freedom protest, a movement that, according to Newsweek's Jamil Giovanni, has thousands of black Canadians supporting it. Look up POC for Freedom Convoy on Instagram. That's the number four, by the way. It has over 60,000 followers of all races. White-splaining racism undermines the black community's ability to determine, to determine what they should find offensive or hurtful for themselves. For a white person to attempt to explain what or who is racist, especially when the goalposts on such a thing seem to move by the minute, is akin to watching your friend get hit in the face by a brick when you never have, and then attempting to explain what it feels like to get in the, hit in the face by a brick. We can imagine what it might feel like. We can witness it, be as empathetic as possible, and horrified by it. But we'll never be able to explain that feeling. Which brings us back to our lack of of a relationship as white people with the N-word. When we hear it come out of another white person's mouth, it makes us uncomfortable. But an itchy pair of underwear makes us uncomfortable. It can never cause us pain. Not in the way it causes the black community pain when it is uttered from a white person's mouth. Any pain that you might say you feel when you hear another white person say it, is secondary. Like getting hit in the forehead with a bullet fragment while your best friend took a hollow point to the heart. As for the impossibly ignorant question, why is it okay for black people to use it, but not us? Even as a white dude, I'm totally comfortable responding with a simple, fuck you. Joe Rogan had at least one thing right during one of the controversial discussions surrounding the N-word on his show. It is the only word in our lexicon that can be the most hateful or the most endearing word depending on who says it and who hears it. It is not the place of any white person to say otherwise. To take such a hateful word, make it your own, and strip it of its power in whatever way you see fit. That's something else that I nor any other white person could ever understand. And that's okay. If you get FOMO over the use of the N-word, get a fucking hobby, dog. 
as I'm writing this, I'm actually changing my mind. White people do have a relationship with the N-word, a financial one, or at least one that can boost their social credit score. In some cases, white people are elated to hear that another white person used it in any context. And it can be argued that context has no bearing when it comes to this particular word. And I'm willing to accept that argument because, again, I'm white. It's not up to me to decide. Take the right-wing conspiracy expose extraordinaire's patriot takes, gaining clout along with its little-known Democratic super PAC friends, the Midas Touch. Little known, that is, until now. I can't imagine why resurfacing a clipped-together video of Joe Rogan using the N-word over and over, knowing it would go viral, would be beneficial for them. As an organization that, quote, amplifies pro-democracy content. The Midas Touch is run by, you guessed it, three white brothers. And not just any white brothers. White brothers that have ties to the corporate media and obviously the phony activist faction of the Democratic Party. I'm sure these brothers are very happy about the clout they've gained with simple, bottom-feeding character defamation. The donations for the 2022 election for their 2022 election content should be rolling in very soon. Good for you, white guys. Perhaps Jeff Bezos would be happy to grift off of a white guy using the N-word. Oh, wait, his very own newspaper, the Washington Post, put out a very convenient piece explaining how you can catalog all of your music off of Spotify and transfer it over to, you guessed it, his fledgling music platform, Amazon Music. And then there's the Neil Young angle as well. As it pertains to Joe Rogan, it can be a two-sided coin. On the one side, the black community gets to decide whether he's racist. Only they get to decide to forgive him for his open use of that word. Now, I would urge them to get a well-rounded view of Joe before making that decision, but at the end of the day, it's not up to me, and it's not up to white people. And before anyone calls me a hypocrite and pulls clips from me on this libservative podcast, I do have my opinion. I've heard thousands of hours of Joe's conversations on his show. I do not believe in any way that he is a racist. That's my opinion. That opinion does not give me the right to tell black folks how they should feel about it. It doesn't give me the right to tell them that they shouldn't be hurt by it. And it doesn't give anybody the right to accuse me of racism just for my opinion by association. Although I'm sure some, mostly white people, will. I'll end this piece with the following. White supremacy isn't just neo-Nazis touting white nationalism or the KKK burning crosses in the name of intimidation and white power. That's the ugly, simple, open stuff. It's easy to condemn and gain social clout to remedy your white guilt by calling that out. White supremacy is also the idea that people of color need our protection all the time this paternal instinct that white guilt brings. It's great to be supportive and understanding as possible. And it's easy to see the outdated systems, constructs, and institutions have held black folks back since 1619. Those absolutely need to change. And the effects of, of old ones that have gone away 
need to be remedied. But instead of alienating the black community by assuming they need our keyboard activist social charity like a group of helpless babies all the time, maybe sometimes white folks need to just clean up their mess and get the fuck out of the way. You're right. <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, oh man, who was, oh, I'm trying to think of his name. Was it Woodson or Woodward? The one who helped advocate for Black History Month. It's Black History you Month don't know was that. Original, huh? It's racist that you don't know that. I know. It was, uh, it was, um, it was originally intended to be, uh, about empowerment of talking about how black people coincided with the history of America because our history was from the perspective of the people who was the majority, which happens in pretty much every country, but it was about how their history coincided with ours and how they were a part of it and helped us form opinions and helped us do things. But it molded into this thing of victimhood mm-hmm. because of the cancer of identity politics. And it's funny because and the, and the, and the, <laughs> as you're reading this, and, and we the, actually had a, uh, I, I want to say this real quick. We had someone watching mm-hmm. and they must've hopped in like right when you started your monologue because <laughs> they said, wait, what? <laughs> and then they said, really? LOL. White splaining. LOL. Are you black splaining? <laughs> and then he goes, yet the New York mayor refers to white officers as crackers. What is the difference? And then he goes, okay, not sure what this channel is about, <laughs> but I will come back when you are talking to chat. He goes, I will be lurking. And then I said, we're here to call the balls and strikes on the hypocrisy of the two parties. Yeah. I was like, and for sure, stick around. We strive to call out the BS of identity politics and the cancer to our society. And then he said, I disagree. because I think we need to stop with Black History Month. Why do we have it? And as I, it's kind of like what I just said. It was, it was intended for, a, a, for empowerment to show that like, Black people aren't victims. They're people just like you and I. And they wanted to bring the light of how black people are a part of the ever-changing culture and the ever-changing things. But identity politics has turned a bunch of white people into white knights. That white needed- savior complex. The white savior complex. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because of a guilt that they have because of a generational guilt. Because people that were the same color as us years and years and years and years and years, and years ago were pieces of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, look. And mainly the left. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. The left uh, definitely has is the, the, the arbiters of the identity of politics, but don't don't think that the right isn't just as guilty of that. Yeah, because there's a... I guess my my main point with this with this monologue is that it's not really up. It's just not up for white. People. It's not up to us. Yeah, it's not, it's not up, up for to white us people to tell people what's offensive for black people. Exactly. They're they're the only ones that can decide that. They're the only ones that are affected, actually affected by that word. I Dan, mean, are you saying that they're that they're independent thinkers and people for the, <laughs> that can speak for themselves? I don't know. I got to be a white savior. And then, and then you, you also you know you <laughs> like also have <laughs> you also have groups like the Midas Touch that are absolutely grifting off of people like Joe Rogan using the N word. They're, 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 they claim to be leftists, but they they all, all they're doing is using that to gain clout. Oh yeah. Oh, the Midas touch. Yeah. They're pieces of the trash. They, 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 they're <laughs> funded by PAC money to sit there and yeah, exactly. Do you, like, want to, do you want me to play a bit? We can, we can actually prove this. So uh, I don't know if, if, 
you listeners are familiar with a gentleman named Dave Portnoy. I'm sure you know most of you are. Barstool Sports, right? Barstool, he's, he's sports, Barstool sports guy. Yeah. yeah, he's he's the he's the owner and founder of, of Barstool Sports. I am not a huge fan of Dave Portnoy. I never have been. Don't like his content. Um, but I can admit when somebody that I don't like gets something right. And he basically called this group out. They decided to have him on a Zoom call uh, a few days ago. And you can tell what this thing is. It's 44 minutes long, and it's these guys from, from this, this, this establishment Democrat uh, super PAC thinking that they're going to play gotcha with Dave Portnoy. They're yeah, going to play gotcha. Before you even play this, I was thinking about this. Like, Think about the money of the vacuum that if they actually cancel Joe Rogan, think about that vacuum. His podcasts are three to f- three to like what? Five hours long. That's in ad- That's like some podcasts are a half hour. Some are an hour. So that's th- like three to like 10 podcasts that people could listen to. If Joe Rogan was just gone. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's 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 it is it's it's this thing like when you look up uh like when uh Jeff Bezos as soon as Neil Young quit um Amazon Prime comes out and goes oh well and they post an article saying here's how to move your whole catalog from Spotify to Amazon Music Neil Young is there and then he goes and then fucking <laughs> he goes and then Amazon who own or Jeff Bezos who owns Washington Post is the one who posted these articles yeah it's easy to see <laughs> Yeah, and it's the narr- yeah, it's so easy to see. And it's interesting because everyone's like, it doesn't matter context. It doesn't matter context. And listen, we live in Detroit. We're from one of the blackest cities in the country. You know how many white people like I I've helped people produce like little songs and stuff like that. You like for rapping and stuff like that. You know how many white people say that word around black people and they don't even blink here? Well, that's that's what happens. And like, I'm not saying that that's right. Like me, like, so I have black family. I have a ton of black friends. And when we're drinking and we're smoking and stuff like that, they're always trying to get me to go. Yeah, dude, say it, say it. Like just to get me to say, it, cause I know it'd be like me really awkward. I'm like, dude, that's just, it's just not my word. 90, I just refuse to say it. 90, 99% and, I, and, like, and that's in context where I could go. Context, yeah. Yo, I love you. You know? <laughs> and then it's like, do it and it's like that that's the term of endearment you know like they would you know like a hug and a handshake and shit like that when that was the whole point and of my monologue just, Corey, is it like those are your people they're the ones that get to decide whether that word coming out of your mouth is, is exactly or not. in my inner circle decided yeah. that i you know they always give me the joke that like uh i got my black card i have uh black co-workers at work and we they always make jokes of me saying that like i'm one of them they go you know how they treat us like they, she said this one girl at work says it all the time like well you know how they treat us and then it's like, it's like, yeah, absolutely. Like I'd go around and be like, yeah, you know, just, you know how those people are and stuff like that. But it's like, it's just, it's not our word. So look, Dave Portnoy in this video says that he has a text message of one of the Midas Touch guys in a text message to his fiance. I'm not going to play that part because a lot of people have already heard it. Um, Says he has a text message from one of the Midas Touch guys using the N-word mm-hmm. with his fiance. Now, he doesn't show it. He doesn't, you know, uh, he's, he hasn't posted it. Nothing like that. I tend to believe that Dave has something. Now, it could be that one of the Midas Touch guys that he's talking about, I think his name's Jordy, 
actually did say it in a text message to his girlfriend in 2014. Or it could be somebody that has a vendetta against Jordy that sent Dave Portnoy a something fake. Or yep. Dave could be lying. I don't think Dave's lying. I think he has something. I don't think there's any way for us to know whether or not it's actually real. Yeah, his, his the way he was pretty confident in what he was saying to those boys. Yeah, I think he has something. But th- this th- th- I wanted to play something from the end here of of this conversation between Dave Portnoy and the three Midas Touch guys because I want you to really take a close listen to this and see what a grift it can be for white people to take advantage of another white person using the N-word for financial gain and for to boost their social credit That's what it is, dude. It's a grift. It's exactly what it is. I'm going to play it right now. Tell you this. How do we break through the echo chamber? And a lot of people criticized us for even, you know, doing this interview with you. I mean, a lot of people who follow us go, you're doing an interview with Dave Portnoy. I mean, that's not what progressives and liberals do. We've always had these tough conversations. The moment you reached out to us, what did I do? I sent you an email back. And I respect that. Here's my cell phone number. I said, let's get on a Zoom together. Let's have a chat. And this could be the first of many chats that we have together. I think it's a sign for people to see us talking, to see us arguing, to have different positions, but to continue a dialogue. If Joe Rogan wants to have us on his podcast, I'll go on Rogan's podcast. Boom. There's number one. There's right. number one. Boosting social credit score. Hey, Joe, we'd like to come on your show. All right. There's another one coming. I'll come back on your podcast that we could have serious debates on political issues. Boom. There's number two. There's number two. That's two, two shout outs. Just begging for attention from the Midas touch. That's all that is. And he he sits there and he talks about how it's all about, you know, oh, it's a, it's about two different people and with differing opinions coming together. If you watch this and I urge people to go watch this. Whether you like Dave Portnoy or not, I already I already said I don't like Dave Portnoy, but Dave Portnoy. Yeah, you were saying you watched this a couple times. You watched I watched this twice. I had to watch watched, it again to get the timestamps. <laughs> I watched all 44 minutes of this twice. And I got to tell you, as much as I don't like Dave Portnoy, don't like his content, he, he's, he's got this right. This is nothing but a gotcha piece to gain clout from Midas Touch. That's all this is. It's all mm-hmm. it is. Absolutely. And, and it's nothing but three white dudes. I don't know if you can see on the screen. They're all white. They're all brothers. Taking advantage of another white guy using the N word, and which is what I talked about in my monologue. This is what we see. We see this all the time. The top right, he just looks a little douchey. I don't like him. He didn't even say one word in everything I've seen. He's the video editor. He talks a little bit. He gets. uh, You you got. You got to go watch the whole thing. I'm I'm sure you're interested now. (laughs) I might have to watch it. But look, Um, that's just it, man. It's like stop pretending. Stop pretending to be something that stop pretending to stop, stop cloud chasing over stop identity politics too yeah at the end of the day you're just creating more divisiveness and then i have one so i want to share this uh this um video that is from breaking points sagar and jenny shared it on his uh sagar and, and jetty shared it on his instagram and so we want to talk about putting pe- putting a bunch of clips of people together really quick. Like they, they are trying to tackle uh, Joe Rogan with his uh, out of context use of that word. Um, 
Here, let me, uh, I'm going to share this one that they put together. We're ready. Here you go. There we go. Where'd it go? Oh, oh, jeez. Oh, Oh, God. God. Poor production value on Libservative. (laughs) Those bastards. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so here you go. Here you go. This is uh, some Joe Rogan for you. I really believe if Michelle Obama runs, she might win. win. She's good. She's great. She's the wife of the best president that we have had in our lifetime. I've never voted right wing in my life. I consider universal basic income a really good idea. I want free college education. Take it easy. Hello, Bernie. How are you, Joe? Wonderful. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you. I like Tulsi and I like Bernie. That's it. Oh, yeah? Everybody else can eat shit. Look at you, fucking progressive. Yeah. I think I'll probably vote for Bernie. I think he's looking out for the interests of the working people. And I think he wants people to have a better life and do better. And I'm all for that. And if that means I have to pay more in tax, like people think, oh, you're a socialist. I've heard people say that. Oh, you're a fucking socialist, bro. Like, first of all, he's not even a socialist. Mm -hmm. He's a democratic socialist. It's a different thing. I would like to spend more in taxes if they could fix inner city communities and, and Take these poor neighborhoods and we throw spend a fuckload of Spend more, you fucking Republican the piece of shit. 87% of scientists said that human activity is driving global warming. I'm very pro choice. I'm very women's rights, civil rights, gay rights, trans rights. I'm even universal health care. Obviously, this um, protected status is driving me crazy. This, this thing that Trump's doing with children that were born in uh, other countries and then brought over here as children and then they're talking about deporting them. That drives me fucking crazy. Yeah, that's that crazy. The hard right version of that is despicable. This, mm-hmm. These people that I see online, why didn't they apply for citizenship? Oh, who knows? Maybe because they're fucking 13. I don't give a fuck if they broke the law. You don't take parents and kids and separate them. You just fucking don't. You know Alonzo? No, I was a funny comedian. Yeah. He said... He goes, not all Donald Trump supporters are racist, yeah. but all racists are Donald Trump supporters. <laughs> that, 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 could, that He definitely awakened that side. But see, the January 6th thing is important. See, it is important, and but is it the six months later, is it should be the ruling it, it, number I one think, conversation of I journalists? I think it's really important. And one of the reasons why I think it's important because it highlights the reasons why a guy like Donald Trump is so fucking dangerous. Mm-hmm. is because a guy can incite a bunch of morons to do yeah. something really fucking stupid but as far as trans people some trans people listening to this i got nothing but love for you for everybody and in fact eddie Izzard is one of my all-time favorite guests oh, i love Izzard. the right wing thing is just an easy way to dismiss me because i'm not right wing i can't recommend your book race matters enough so there beautiful Corey. Of course, it wasn't you. That was uh, courtesy of Breaking Points with Crystal and Saga. Yeah, Breaking Points, Crystal. Go and check it's out funny their because show. they even shared Joe pushing back against Sagar yeah. in it. Yeah, and and, and and I already know what the what the Joe, reverse you is. You know, Joe Rogan falls somewhere in the middle. You know, but like this definitely makes him look like way more like a leftist, which I think is the point to take things out of context. <laughs> yeah, it's dude. It's it's just so obvious. It's obvious what it, look, and it's it's not it's not excusing his use of that word. And and like I said in my monologue, it's not my place to tell the black community whether they should what or they should, should, be not, should not be offended by that word. I, I don't defend it. I, I don't think it was, you know, I, I kind of understand it, you know, the whole context argument at least. Um, not necessarily the use of the word, but the context argument. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just not my place. It's not your place, Corey. Our skin is way too light to be to be telling black folks how they should feel you know, about that word. It's just right. Yeah. No, we, we, we sit here and we go, <clears throat> well, the black community isn't a monolithic group. We don't, you don't just paint them with a broad brush. 
But then when something like this happens, yeah, it's just the we assumption. treat them as a monolithic community and paint them with a broad brush. Yeah, like and tell them all like, listen, we know better. This You're idea, this, this idea that now every black person in America now hates Joe Rogan, like, or at least they're supposed to. I mean, I guarantee and they don't, you. And when you look at his apology video, it's just a ton of people going, "Yo, you don't even have to explain, bro." <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, one of the fighters, Israel Adesanya. I mean, had a had an absolutely scathing, just like hardcore. Um, I think he's got a. I don't remember if he fought last weekend um, or if he's fighting this. I can't fucking remember. I'm not. I'm I'm only a a vague UFC fan. I don't watch every fight. I don't know all the fighters, but or when they fight. But he was asked during a pre-fight, or actually Dana White was asked during a pre-fight um, uh, press conference about Joe Rogan. And Dana White walked away from the podium, and uh, Israel Adesanya picked up his mic and basically said, "Hey, I love Joe Rogan. It, uh, you, you could guess he's he's a black man. He just basically, just went. He went way off. I, I encourage people to look it up. Um, he went off, just pissed about the narrative around Joe Rogan because he loves him I like love a brother. It. I love that the narrative around that's falling apart. Just like I love how the narrative around the Freedom Convoy is falling apart." But damn, Dan, we're uh, what else almost we got? two hours in. Holy shit! I know we went way long in the tooth on this one. We're not splitting this into two episodes. Sorry, if you don't want to listen to it all in one sitting, you're just gonna have to press pause. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just pause it and listen to it another time. I ain't doing all that, uh, Corey. Where can the people find us? All right, Libservative Pod. Find us on uh, at Libservative on Facebook. Uh, you can find us at Libservative Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can find our WordPress. There you go. Yes. <laughs> you can find our WordPress at libservativepodcast.wordpress.com. And, you know, like, follow, share. Come join the conversation. If you want to reach us directly, it's libservativepod at gmail.com. Um, come join the conversation. You know, we really enjoy the comments. We, we saw people commenting earlier. And our monologues are kind of like a don't like we don't try to interrupt each other when we do that so i apologize to the people that we weren't responding to right away um yeah like comment and share come join the conversation we're here to cut through the bullshit and to call balls and strikes on the left and right and it's it's about pro- like pragmatic progressivism not identity politics and it's about making this country better for us when it comes to liberty and taking care of the poor and impoverished and individual rights and like we're here to just really cut through all of the trash that we see from mainstream narratives and mainstream media because obviously by what we're seeing recently we know it's bullshit that um, that epic canadian national anthem really got you fired up for that speech you just did didn't it i sure that was a good one right <laughs> uh yeah and if you like what you hear on the show just i don't know you know if you share if you share it and you know you share things and, and stuff then we'll definitely give you a shot on the show but if you don't feel like doing that you don't want to cloud chase like the the the, the midas touch brothers uh just tell a friend because i'm sure show, you have a guys. friend you like we to really want to talk to you we want to get some cloud midas touch you guys want to talk to us <laughs> <laughs> i'll have them on the show we could have them on the show i doubt they'd come on this show oh hell but, no i mean they did talk but to yeah well. like follow and share come hang out you know it's it's always a good time we just sip some bourbon and drink some beers and and until next time. Talk about the fucking establishment and how they're a bunch of fucking idiots. <laughs> and to take something from Jimmy Dore, let's stick a fucking thumb in the eye of the bastards. 
And until next time, he's been Corey Walsh. And he's been Dan Griffin. And this has been Libservative. Corey, you want to sing out the Canadian National Anthem with me? Do you know the words? I only know the part that says, oh, Canada. That's all right. I'll figure oh, it out here. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Our home and native land. True <laughs> patriot love. 